So in season five of Franchise Findings, we're gonna to continue to go through some of the most popular franchises in the United States and globe. Also, we're going through some emerging franchise concepts that have anywhere from two, five, hundred locations throughout the United States growing and looking to take on the world with their franchise system. We continue to interview founders of franchises as well as franchisees. So a lot of information for you. Hope you enjoy season five of Franchise Findings. You know, Patrick Pindaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Very excited to have on Rich Peter, who's the president and founder of Mobility Plus, as well as his colleague, Spencer Jackson, who's the franchise growth manager at, at Mobility Plus. Today, we're gonna talk about their pretty unique industry and they're in the senior care, but it's a sub-segment that Rich will, and Spencer will get into some more details on. Um, all about this industry, the opportunity to be a franchisee with Mobility Plus, why you might want to be a franchisee and not do your own independent business in the segment. So we'll jump into all that. But before we go too far along, Rich, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about how you got into this industry and what, what was the impetus for founding the company? What was it, 15 years back? Patrick, thank you so much. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty close. It'll be 15 um, this uh, September 30th. So we're, 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 so you've really done your research and um, it, it's an exciting moment to actually think about that. I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned it now. Um, and uh, Mobility Plus has come a long way. Um, I founded it basically out of my garage. Um, it's one of those garage stories, unfortunately, but uh, it's, it's got a good ending. Well, that's not over yet, but it's got a it's got a good path, I should say. Um, you know, 2007, um, I was in finance. I was in the banking industry, um, and um, you know, people who went through that know that uh, that industry uh, went down for a few years. And um, I decided at 33, uh, it was time for me to do something a little different uh, that I had control of. Um, and I felt starting my own business would be that path. Um, and I wasn't thinking about franchising at that moment. I was more just curious about, because I never had my own business. So I was more curious about how business works. I, you know, I was in sales, marketing type of corporate jobs. Um, so for me, I had some of that experience. And it, it kind of gave me the, the push, you know, if I felt if I could sell. I could probably succeed in business. That was that was my impetus. Um, but I started selling um, medical equipment, um, wheelchairs, $99 uh, in the beginning. I would uh, distribute them myself to local uh, assisted living, home care agencies. Um, I had a technician at that time, and we had an old silver rusted Dodge Caravan for deliveries. Um, I kept within my budget because I, I didn't know where things would go. And um, I wanted to understand the customer um, and, you know, kind of figure things out for myself. Um, I'm, I'm big about uh, the College of Hard Knocks and understanding what I'm getting into and just figuring it out along the way. Unfortunately, sometimes that can take time. So the first few years of Mobility Plus was a challenge. Um, but I think in those challenges, it, it helped me develop it. Um, as, as we went forward. And from there, um, you know, we ended up in a warehouse, um, some more equipment, some more relationships. 
um, and, it, and it kind of blossomed um, from there. And then uh, about four and a half years ago, we launched the franchise and uh, that's where we are today. And in launching franchise, was it like a capital constraint? Was it not getting employees that would have ownership over certain territories? What led to go franchising and not tap into your buddies from the finance world to raise around a capital and just open a bunch of corporate locations? Great, 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 great question. So um, along the way, we also, in about 2010, we acquired a government contract to service the VA nationwide. Yeah. Um, but to service the VA hospitals, approximately 152 uh, hospitals nationwide, you have to have a local presence. And, um, you know, for us to start planting locations um, to, from a corporate level, I, I didn't feel that that model would make sense, just dependent upon the VA. I felt like the business should be more diversified, um, addressing the local community, um, the retail aspect, um, networking with local home care agencies, physical therapy offices, rehab centers. Um, and healthcare 15 years ago was not what it was today. Uh, it was more insurance based. And over the years, uh, the insurance companies have really cut down um, along with Medicare. And it's becoming more out of pocket, private pay type of business. So for us to expand um, with our government contract, that's kind of a small baseline. We'll give a franchisee an opportunity to start servicing their local VA first through our contract and then focus on their local community and build up a retail presence. Franchising made sense uh, just because, you know, if you put somebody local, you know they're gonna, their heart's in it. This is a service business at the end of the day. We're dealing with people's lives and we want to make sure that they're safe. We hear them out. Um, I refer to them as clients because one product typically leads to multiple to solve the daily mobility challenges in their life. So when you're dealing with multiple products and, you know, a high level of sales per person, um, you really want someone who cares and someone who can train their staff to care as well. And I don't think a corporate structure is best fit for that at this point. Um, I think putting a local franchisee who has the heart to service that local community, maybe they're starting with their friends and family and, you know, and, and growing from there. Um, it's really it's really blossomed for us and we've really seen that a lot of our franchisees who come to us have experienced this in their own community where they've struggled to find great um, mobility equipment so and by mobility equipment like what exactly do you mean wheelchairs are you, are you selling the products and then do you service the products Is it like an after sales component absolutely so um we we our, our tagline um is scooters ramps and lifts and, you know, the, the sign behind me, that's, it's all blurred out, of course, now because the lighting changed, but that's, there it is, scooters, ramps, and lifts. But that, that's a reminder, of, you know, hanging that sign almost 14 years ago where we started in just a little shop. Um, scooters are mobility scooters. There's power wheelchairs. Um, ramps are modular ramps. They're aluminum. They're placed in front of the home to help someone access their home inside and out of their garage. And then uh, lifts can be um, a combination of items, stair lifts, vehicle lifts on the back of vehicles to carry their scooter. Um, and so, so, you know, there's, that's kind of the core of the business are scooters, ramps and lifts. And the majority of those are paid for out of pocket. 
Um, so, you know, they, they're, they're not really insurance based. They're paid for by the consumer. And how would it work out? Like I have a great aunt, she's 80 years old. Um, she's very comfortable in her single, um, family home. Um, her mentally, she's all there, but definitely needs some help in terms of mobility and, and the ramps and maybe having, um, um, a wheelchair or a scooter from time to time. Would you guys go on site and outfit that, or what's kind of like the customer experience for someone that's buying um, the product and the service from you guys? Absolutely. Where we have um, locations, we have approximately uh, close to 60 now, physical store locations. And um, I think um, having locations really separates us from just a website. Um, you yeah. know, somebody can Google um, wheelchair rental. Um, you know, if your aunt is coming to your house for Thanksgiving and you need, you know, to make sure there's a ramp at the front door, a wheelchair ready, well, you can go right online on your phone and book it right off of our app. And a Mobility Plus representative will show up with the proper ramp. They'll put it there on Wednesday. They'll drop off a wheelchair. And when Thanksgiving's over, they'll come back and pick it up. So that's what I wanted. I wanted localized mobility. I, I don't want this to be where you have to dig to figure out how do I get a wheelchair for my great aunt or how do I purchase a product? Um, so I believe the market is just, we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg. This market's massive. Um, and, you know, the market is, you know, your um, local mobility providers, um, mom and pops. And, and I think mom and pops are great. We need them. We need them to stay in business. And we want to work right alongside them because the market's massive. And um, I'm sure they sometimes tap out where if it's a mom exactly. and pop, you know, they can only do so many installations for Thanksgiving. Right. Um, where they have to say no to a lot of people. And, you know, they, and then they could always walk into our store. You know, you're, you know, they could always come to our store and, and see all the different products we have. Um, and, our, and we refer to our staff, our franchisees as mobility consultants, because they're there to listen, understand the uh, situation and provide a solution. So maybe for Spencer's, you probably hear this a lot. Maybe someone's looking to open up their own mobility store and, and kind of have a similar product offering. The obvious thing is you have the relationships with the vendors and the VA where probably potentially you can get some money in. Um, but there's the franchise fee and there's royalties to, to kind of juggle. What would be some of the benefits of going the franchise path with a company like Mobility Plus versus just doing your own independent mobility shop? Certainly, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I get it frequently from our franchise candidates. You know, it's something where in the retail world, when you make a vendor relationship, your pricing and your cost of goods is going to be attached to your volume. So if someone were to open their own store, their volume, their sales volume with each manufacturer is going to be incredibly small compared to our network's volume. So they're going to come through the door day one with a wonderful cost of goods. So that's going to give them a real market advantage, uh, even compared to local stores that have been in business for a long time. The other thing that really is, you know, most important when you look at franchising is our intellectual property. Right. So, yes, we're going to put them in connection with great vendors on our contracts, resources, strategic alliances for revenue programs, lead generation. But at the end of the day, it's our intellectual property that's going to allow them to accelerate their business through those first few years where they would have to learn all that on their own. 
So our support team is going to be there to help guide them through the opening, through the first kind of learning phase of their business. And then throughout the rest of their business cycle with us, we're going to be supporting them because it's in everyone's interest at that point. So Spencer, probably a lot of people that are looking to get into this space, they're attracted by the demographics, they see the opportunity. Why would someone open up uh, a Mobility Plus in their community and pay that franchise fee, pay the ongoing royalties versus just opening up their own uh, company and you know calling it Findaro Mobility Solutions? Absolutely. Yeah, Patrick, that's a great question. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at a franchise, you're going to be joining a network, right? So you're going to have the support of the operations team. You're going to have access to established contracts with vendors and suppliers. You're going to have, in our case, we've got strategic alliances with um, many programs that are going to drive customers into their store. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're there in an ongoing capacity to support their business. That's well said. So, you know, someone's probably going to be able to open faster, break even faster, and probably have more predictability, especially if there's these contracts from like the VA. Definitely. Uh, yeah, in. definitely. And, it, you know, it's a matter of we've been there, we've done that, we've learned the business, and our operations team are going to guide the new franchisees through that initial phase where they're learning the business and it's going to help them accelerate their growth in all the areas that you just mentioned. What do your best franchisees look like? I see there's some guys making, if I'm not mistaken, like 700K plus, um, and I'm sure it's at a nice, healthy profit margin. Like, How, do, how does that franchisee get there? Like, What do they look like? What, what are you looking at in a franchisee candidate? You know, I would say... As a young franchisor, we've changed that profile as we've grown. And early on, you know, we had a lot of owner operators and we've really matured at this point into more of a, a district management style. We, we have those owner operators. We even have passive owners at this point where they've hired their staff. But I would say our, our best candidate that we're looking for today is someone that's going to want to open one store, get it up and running, develop their staff and start delegating those responsibilities to that staff so that they can then open a second and maybe even a third store over the course of the next couple of years. And what's the headcount look like? Like, say you have the area manager and he's going around the three or four locations and the actual store and servicing people in the community, what, what's it look like? Is it W-2 employees? Are there some contractors? I, you know, I would say we've got a mix of that. Uh, one of our philosophies is we don't overmanage our franchisees. So they, they're able to make those decisions at their store level. But I would say our model is not one that requires a lot of employees. So you need retail staff to cover your opening hours you need a service technician that's going to do your installations and be that outward face in the community. And as you open a couple of stores, now you're leveraging maybe that same installer would cover the jobs for two or even all three stores, just depending on the location, right? When you're sharing staff and resources, um, you're, you can service the territories locally. So if they have two or three territories, having a local presence 
is better for the consumer. Number one, they don't have to drive far to get the equipment they need. And our consumer does, you know, we want to service them. They really need to be, it needs to be close to them, right? They're, they're in a situation where it might be difficult for them to go far. So that's why we're really trying to localize the model at 200,000 uh, per unit versus our, you know, some of our competitors out there who kind of do a more, I call them the three keys, three tools, trucks, and technicians model, where you might have one big warehouse servicing a million people, which is great, but then to, for your customers to come to you, it might be challenging. So we have a longer term vision um, of building out localized mobility stores to really service that local community, share some of the backend resources, such as technicians for service and installations and marketing, um, but have a local showroom um, assistant manager at, at each location that reports to the franchise owner. And what's like a day in the life of a franchisee? So that person that is already, you know, opening their second, third location, what, what's their day-to-day -day look like? Well, we, we want them, number one, their first location is priority. Um, yeah. And going to multi-unit for us was something that we kept getting approached by candidates. Hey, can I, you know, expand? Can I get an extra unit? Um, I actually discouraged it in our first couple of years of franchising. Um, I wanted to really see how things played out. Um, again, Patrick, I, I'll say this, and I say it in our conversations with candidates, we're building Mobility Plus brick by brick. Um, so we really... Yeah, you don't want some franchisee to take over like the Miami territory and then, you know, he set, has big plans to open up five and just says one and well, you're you're upset, he's upset. Well, we, we really want them to succeed, right? And we also want to bring on the right candidate that understands Mobility Plus. Um, and it's good for them. It's got to be a fit for both sides, not just us, right? Like if you sell a franchise to the wrong person, now you're struggling holding their hand and they may not be happy at the end. And that's not good franchising. Um, we rather, you know, interview um, a lot of potential candidates and really decide if they're happy with what we have to offer. And we feel like it's a great candidate for our operations team to support going forward. Because at the end, that's your success, right? If the candidates who come on are, are really uh, well qualified um, and they want to do it and they have a passion for it at the end of the day. So if, once their unit one is up and running and it's successful, either they pre-purchase the second unit or we'll see they're successful, we'll approach them or they'll approach us and say, yeah. I think it's time for me to grow. So we want Mobility Plus uh, to be a good size opportunity um, and if somebody did want to take over Miami, we'd have to really have a longer conversation and decide, okay, you know, this, these are our objectives. Let's see if they align with your objectives and how we're going to service the customer. Um, every market's slightly different as well between um, the city versus the suburbs. Um, the city market's going to be a little bit different. So we, we have to, you know, really have some deeper dives uh, on, on certain uh, geographies. So that first location, let's focus on that first location. What is the franchisee doing? Are they selling? Are they focused on operations, hiring and training employees? What should what is the franchisee spending most of their time on? And then what are, what is Mobility Plus doing to support them? You know, I would say with uh, the opening of any business, that franchisee is going to be hands on with with the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, we want them to really focus on developing a staff 
and start to delegate those authorities to that staff that, that allows them at that point to be the, the franchise owner that's working on the business and not necessarily in the business. And are there any territories in the U.S. that you're super excited to get franchise candidates in? You know, I would say we're super excited to get franchise candidates in every location. Uh, our industry is something everyone has friends or family that that has a need. And quite honestly, as I'm talking to candidates, that's typically how they find us. We're, we've done a lot of organic growth at the franchisor level. And they've tried to source that equipment and they found out it's difficult. And now they're like, oh my gosh, this is a business opportunity. And they're reaching out to us at that point. And just to add to that, Patrick, um, you know, we started off with non-registration states and some filing states um, and slowly we expanded. So for those that don't know, those are the states that it's like essentially easiest and the lowest cost to sell a franchise because you're not paying thousands of dollars to attorneys and having different franchise agreements and registering. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we could, you know, manage the growth and um, also keep our costs down on the registration fees. Um, And slowly we've been adding more states. Um, We recently um, filed in Hawaii and um, we just got approved for Illinois yesterday. So that's exciting. So talking about like essentially having franchisees come in from your customer base or even prospective customer base, talking to franchise brands, that is essentially the lowest cost uh, to acquire a franchisee because they're already familiar probably with the space. They're familiar with the brand. Um, they see the opportunity. You're not educating in them. And you're not spending tons of money, you know, marketing the opportunity on Google ads or franchise lead generation portals. Um, do you have like strategies where you're, you're mailing your, your existing customer base and segmenting potentially people that may, may be younger in the customer base that aren't the end client, but could be a son or daughter of, of the end, end customer? Patrick, that, that, that is such a great point. And uh, not at this time, we are not. But that's a great idea. Um, And, you know, uh, one of our top units, most of our franchisees, believe it or not, are, you know, they're married, they're in corporate transition. Um, They they are, um, you know, a little bit older, not too old. You know, I I don't think I'm too old, but, you know, some people might, my kids (laughs) think I'm old. Uh, I'm 47. Um, But um, one of our most successful units, uh, they're in their 30s. And that's, they're the youngest ones in our group. And um, they've done some phenomenal innovations within the network. Um, I'd love to attract um, a younger audience um, for franchisees because this opportunity is for really anyone. It could be a family business. Um, it's something that is something you, you, know, you want to tout locally within your community um, because it's really helping people. But at the end of the day, um, it's a good revenue business for cash flow, good margins, uh, fair margins, um, a lot of opportunity between sale, selling, servicing, renting um, the equipment. So um, a lot of different aspects of it. And uh, you can have someone who's maybe not so technical be at the showroom level to you know, provide customer service, consulting with clients that walk through the door. Or if you have a someone who is you know very technical, they could be your technician, and uh, we provide training for that. 
not only within Mobility Plus, but also at the manufacturer level. So, uh, but we try to keep the business as simple as possible. The manufacturers have done a great job of providing products that are pretty easy to fix if you're, you know, uh, slightly technically inclined. Um, and they make them very durable because, you know, who, who wants medical products that break down? Nobody does. So they are very um, heavy duty, long lasting type of products, such as our scooters, our steer lifts. Um, and, I, and I have to say also that our, the majority of our manufacturers are U.S. based manufacturers. They're listed right on our website. We have uh, some we have a decade long relationship with them. Um, nice. and, and that's also part of uh, the strength of a franchise is the relationships. They show up at our conference. In fact, we're having uh, we're going to be attending what's called MedTrade in our industry. It's the medical device conference in Atlanta uh, at the end of October. And our manufacturers, um, a handful, will be at just the Mobility Plus conference uh, just to present to our captive franchisee network. So that's exciting when we have manufacturer support who want to get in front of our uh, franchisees. And we pretty much are very transparent within the organization. The pricing we receive, we pass it on to our units. And, you know, we want them to be able to compete locally. So we don't, you know, we, we want the best chance for them to, you know, kind of win at their local business. That makes sense. And with the COVID pandemic and the supply chain issues, like with getting products in from Asia, I imagine it kind of elevated Mobility Plus where you are able to get the products in fast and, and sell them and service the customer. Well, great, great question. Um, so during COVID, the actual COVID period in the 20, 2020, we actually grew in units. Um, when that month hit, Patrick, um, you know, I, I really... That was it. I was like, okay, this is a this is a big test for me, right? As the president of the company, um, and for that month, um, I think it was March, uh, March or April in 2020. I think it was more like April. Um, I said, well, number one, we will have to see what information is released, um, and number two, we will be holding off on all royalties for May until we understand what's happening. So I, I didn't know what else to do, right? That was my first response to this whole thing. Uh, second, we had some great franchisees who started approaching their local uh, healthcare, you know, uh, consultants to help us develop COVID messaging upon our websites. The network came together. We are truly a network of small businesses. We're not owned by a PE company or hedge fund. Um, you know, I, I, I empower our franchisees to be entrepreneurial, make decisions, share them with the table. Um, and when the, when the list came out of essential businesses and repairing medical equipment, mobility devices was on there, we were blessed to continue to operate. And we released that and all our units went back to work. So, um, you know, being in the mobility medical field, um, whether it's a recession, um, these are one of those businesses that people have to take care of themselves. They, they need it. Uh, it's a staple, almost like clothing, food, shelter. It just has to keep going on. Yeah, and you're also benefiting from the demographic shift with the baby boomers getting older. So there's always going to be more and more purchasers, at least for the next 20, 30 years. There's a audience that continues to grow. And at some point, I might be a customer for some of our products. So, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just part of those we all know. Hopefully we all are and, customers. And the, the, I believe the, uh, the mindset for our type of mobility equipment has changed uh, with previous generations. A lot of these equip uh, these innovations have come um, not too far long ago, maybe in the 70s and 80s, 
and they've really developed. So uh, the the newer clientele, they want to be active. They don't, they want to jump on a scooter with big wheels and go to the beach with their grandkids. They don't care. You know, Um, in the past, maybe some of this equipment may have not been, you know, so attractive or, or whatever in somebody's eyes, but now if somebody has a single family house that has two stories, they can put a stair lift in for, you know, for not so much or, you know, maybe three, $4,000 and they don't have to sell the home. They could stay in their home and that's a solution. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, we're really trying to meet those modern challenges um, that are, you know, some people don't even know some of these products exist, believe it or not. Um, in, in people's eyes, uh, when you say mobility or medical, they think wheelchair right away. It's way beyond that. And when they walk into one of our showrooms, and all the products are laid out and our consultants let them, you know, view and, and actually have a conversation and listen to the struggles they're going through. Uh, people will share intimate details about, you know, their struggles and we're training our franchisees to listen first and then offer solutions. It seems like there could be a niche for like a, like a senior influencer that's just like rating like mobility of products. You know, God bless uh, Betty White. She's passed away, but... I would have loved to have Betty White represent us, but we weren't, we probably weren't big enough and we're probably still not big enough to have Betty White. But um, I think there's a lot of seniors out there who could probably maybe use mobility products. And um, I think the, I think that's a good point. The more it's viewed by people, the more they think it's normal. Any concluding thoughts for, for someone that's looking to get into the sector or get into franchising? You know, as people are looking to evaluate their current lifestyle, right? They're in a job. They might not like it. They might have access to some resources that they've built up over their career. Now is a great time to make changes. Uh, It's something where you can start your own business. You can grow that business and you can start building wealth that is applied directly to your family and to your local community and not necessarily working for the development of wealth out elsewhere in someone else's pocket. Well said, and Rich? So we approach our franchisees, like I put myself in their shoes because I went through it. I don't want them to struggle at all. Um, you know, our royalty is 6%. There, that's it. There is no ad fee or anything like that. Um, our monthly tech fee is $199. Um, that's how we start them off. And the goal is let's build them up. Let's build up their volume. Um, we have to listen. Um, we care. You know, we have over 20 people in our support staff um, in different departments, assisting them, whether it's helping build their rental business, their home access business, which consists of stair lifts, ramps, other types of lifts at home. We have someone dedicated to that. Uh, for example, uh, a curved stair lift, uh, you know, for someone that might be challenging. Well, on their first install, we fly out our uh, master tech to help them for free. Just go out, you know, he'll go out there, he'll sit with them, he'll spend a couple of days with them, and then he'll help them with the actual installation. Um, that's after they're factory trained and certified. Um, so we, tr- we, we don't look at um, the small stuff. I focus on the big picture. I, I really just forget the small stuff and say, we're going to make mistakes. And we, t- we, we have that conversation with franchisees. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay. You know, but that's how we learn. So, you know, I don't know if I really answered your question, but. <laughs> no, it's pretty open-ended and 
you know, for anyone that's looking to get into this this industry, Pure's Mobility Plus is one of the few franchises in the space that at least the only franchise that I know of that's really doing a good job in this area and is continually growing. Um, we'll be Thank sure you. to leave um, a link to your to your website. Um, and if, if we if Spencer wants us to leave his contact in the show notes, we can do that. Same with Rich. But yeah, really appreciate having both of you on. I learned a good amount today uh, about an industry that I will need to use, you know, hopefully in uh, 50 years. <laughs> Um, and my loved ones will need to use much sooner than that. So really appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.